It's like, it's like a what? What is it like? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that it had caught that in the recording. I was saying that it's like a a hand raising and then I raised my hand (laughs) to show it to Hannah. (laughs) Uh, Explaining the ins and outs of Zencaster to our very special guest, an important task. And I feel bad for our listeners who have heard us talk about our recording software to no end, even though it must be of absolutely no interest to anyone listening. Also, my dogs say hello. Hello. And that they are irritated that I am not walking them right now, but they are just going to have to deal with it because it's time to record our podcast, which is called You Should See the Other Guy. And we watch a romantic movie and tell you why whoever made the choice of love interest picked poorly. I am Jennifer. I'm Samantha. And I'm Sadie here with a very special guest. And who today has we have a once, very special but... guest. Oh, <laughs> I can see our <laughs> lag. Sadie, because is of terrible. the lag, we sounded perfectly in sync on my end, but on your end, you know, I don't know what chaos was happening. Would you like to introduce our very special guest since she is indeed in the same room as you? I would. I would love to introduce my wonderful, lovely best friend and roommate, Hannah. Please say hello. Hello, you should see the other guys' listeners. I have been on once before, honor of my life, and I'm so grateful to be on again. They're called yeast hogs. I won't be saying that. <laughs> yeah, Hannah, it's okay to call <laughs> they them They are yeast not hogs. called yeast hogs. This is contested. This is contested. I call Jen- them other guys. <laughs> if they're not called yeast hogs, why don't you go to yeasthog.com and see what comes up because thanks Xenalon. thank you for that one by the way i remember exactly who was responsible and <laughs> i was about to tack on a threat to that but then i realized i just know your twitter handle and um not exactly actually where you live but <laughs> our you website lives guy. at yeasthog.com now the if you want to where we threaten our most devoted fans with physical Physical violence. <laughs> what fun. They deserve it. All right. Today we are talking about Stardust 2007, a suggestion of our very special guest and our very own Sadie Collins. And I've been tasked with summarizing a truly bizarre movie that tries to cram like 17 different subplots into one movie. So I pre-wrote it out to be sure that I can just simplify and streamline this. (laughs) We can talk about the (laughs) level of success afterward. All right. We're in the indiscriminate... 19th century past, maybe um, 18th century, who knows? Pastishness, quaint England. And a young British man named Dunstan checks in. He lives in the <laughs> sleepy English town of Wall, which is named after, you guessed it, a wall that the villagers are forbidden from crossing, presumably because this is an M. Night Shyamalan situation and it's actually 2004 outside city limits. But no, Dunstan bypasses the old man who guards the wall, enters the magical realm of 
of a Stormhold. What did I want to say? Stronghold. Storm is Stronghold another the stronghold fantasy? Stronghold of Stormhold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Meets an enslaved woman named Uma who makes eyes at him Una. over a shop counter. Una, Uma, Umami. Una. I think with an N, <laughs> like like singular, like one, like, like for okay. the first, like Uno, but with an A. Gotcha. Yeah. Is she the firstborn? She is. Of the king? She's the firstborn daughter, right? Because there was also a son who was named Primus. Ah, mm, interesting. Una or Primus, who came first? I'm sure that's deep star, <laughs> stardust lore that our <laughs> half of this podcast stardust knows. <laughs> anyway, she makes eyes at him over a shop counter, gives him a glass flower, um, and then they have sex in a wagon. We're off to a rollicking start. <laughs> A very pointed um, nine months caravan. later, the old guy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Threatening our fans with physical violence. I'm about to issue my first threat of on air physical violence, co host to co host. A very pointed nine months later, the. The old wall man brings a baby named Tristan to Dunstan from the wall and says, oops, looks like you had a baby on the other side of this wall. How this guy is not curious about what happens on the other side of the wall is beyond me. All he does is stand next to it and then suddenly there's a baby there. Anyway, fast forward 18 years. So 18 years and nine months from when... uh, uh, the caravan lovemaking happened. And back in Stormhold, a dying king is deciding to choose his successor by somehow, with his feeble elderly frame, throwing a gem into the sky so high that it dislodges a bona fide celestial body, knocking a star, aka a celebrity, a then A-lister named Claire Danes, uh, down Wait to the a ground. Second. You skipped the murder of Rupert Everett. Oh, yeah. Rupert Everett is one of these sons. He's got like dopey and sneezy and grumpy and like seven different kids and all of them die. Spoiler. So, <laughs> Starting um, with Rupert Everett. I was yes. shocked. It was kind of a Drew Barrymore and Scream situation. Like I thought Rupert Everett was going to play a larger role here, but then he just immediately got pushed off a balcony. They could not afford him for the whole movie and also afford everyone else that they paid to be in this movie. Um, so <laughs> the star and the necklace get knocked down to the ground and the king with his dying breath is like, go get it. And um, <laughs> and then the boys have to go try to find the ruby and therefore the star who wears it if they want to oh, be yeah. king. And they're trying to murder each other at the same time. Yeah, because they are just... Craven, they just want power. They want to rule over this magical little fantasy world that there's no way in or out of except for a very tiny notch and a very easily scalable wall, by the way. <laughs> like, I feel like you could, <laughs> I'm not particularly athletic. I feel like it would take me about 10 seconds to fumble over this wall myself and flop down on the other side of it. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's quite the the picture you've drawn for us, Samantha. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Wall, we're back in Wall, and Tristan is now a shop boy trying to court a young woman named Victoria, um, who is slated to marry a rich local boy named Humphrey, Humphreys. 
She is Sienna Miller, and he is um, Henry Cavill, Superman, the Witcher guy, but like unrecognizable because what? he's like not as juiced yet, and he's got like a blonde wig and a huge mustache. Unless Henry Cavill loads his his biceps <laughs> like shotguns, I I do not recognize him. I have Henry Cavill face blindness. Only only arm muscle <laughs> allows me to recognize him. Anyway, the, Tristan and Victoria are kind of like sneaking around when they see the meteor land and Tristan is like, hey, I know you're going to marry Humphrey, but what if I go get a rock for you? Will you marry me then? And she's like, yeah, sure. Go try to find it. Tristan goes home, talks to his dad, who reveals the secrets of his lineage and a few other magical goodies, including a candle that he can use to teleport right to where the meteor landed. Convenient. It is Claire Danes, Evane. Uh, he immediately enslaves her with a magic chain. <laughs> Great way to endear the protagonist to the viewer and says, I'm taking you back to wall with me. Horrifying. Just a little light human traffic. Did we ever mention that Tristan is Daredevil? Oh, that's right. So many people, little young people in this, not yet developed into their mature actorly selves. Um, Yeah, it's hard for me to picture him as Daredevil, but I guess it worked. Um, as if this is not enough elements for the film to juggle. Enter Michelle Pfeiffer, I hope. Okay. And her witch sisters who want to look pretty forever. And so they're after Evane too, because I guess if they like eat her, tear out her heart or something, they can be young again. Uh, misadventures ensue, not all of which I can summarize because it's like the king's sons are after her, now it's the witch and now everything's screwy and Rupert Grint is getting gender swapped magically and Tristan's <laughs> a rat and blah 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 <laughs> but they get backed into a corner and Tristan uses the last Babylon candle he has to transport them out of danger and into a cloud yes, they both thought of home while using the Babylon candle and the candle split the difference, suspending the in the sky, but it's no matter because we get yet another new character. Robert De Niro is a gay-coded William Shakespeare airship captain who likes to wear frills when none of his crew is looking because he's got a very mask reputation to uphold. Um, On the airboat, Tristan and Yvain fall in love. And then they get off the airboat, they go to a hotel and have sex. And then for some reason, he goes over the wall to just like, tell Victoria he hates her and like doesn't want her anymore and (laughs) literally drop her on the ground there was a little sudden like attack of the incel like rose up in Tristan at this moment yeah it was I did not enjoy that part and then but he had carried a lock of Yvain's hair with him over the wall which had turned to dust the eponymous stardust so he realized oh, I can't cross, Evan can't cross the wall. So he runs back to the wall to try to stop her from following him. And then like, there's some confrontation between Evane, Tristan, Tristan's mom, who he doesn't know is his mom yet, Michelle Pfeiffer, the king's surviving son comes by at some point too. There's some mayhem. In the end, Evane gets abducted by the witch, Tristan and Septimus, the king's surviving son, sole surviving heir, we think, go kill two of the witches together, teaming up, but it proves to be a fatal battle for Septimus. 
Tristan frees a van and they kill Michelle Pfeiffer with a very bright hug. Um, and then Tristan's mom is like, hey, I'm your mom and you're the king now. So Dunstan and Tristan's mom, uh, Una, get back together. Tristan and Evane are together and they rule Stormhold. And then when they're old, they light a Babylon candle and become stars together. The end. And look at that. 12 minutes for a uh, two in hour and 45 minute movie Damn, that you did really way, tested my patience the way second better two than hours me and like summarizing Dune last week and not long enough <laughs> seven in fact you're all yeah it, i looked it up because two hours and seven minutes <laughs> once i was warned about it exceeding the 90 minute magical mark and i had to plan ahead to watch it in shifts i did google that runtime and it is shorter than the kissing booth two at two hours and seven minutes <laughs> oh let's hear from our very special guest first hannah what do you make of stardust i i will say first and foremost it is my favorite movie ever made i rewatch it probably once a week it is the movie i show all of the dates that i bring into my home it's in my dating profiles <laughs> <laughs> all of them. And I just, I love it so much. I think it's perfect. I love all of the little plot intricacies, how everything is interwoven. You can't get better than a young Ben Barnes, young Charlie Cox, Michelle Pfeiffer always looks fantastic. Claire Danes still an A-lister. She's amazing. I love it. I love it. Okay, Hannah, I also want to quiz you. I am always obsessed with hearing about if it's a movie that's important to you particularly. Like, how did you first encounter this movie? What's your backstory with Stardust? How did it make it into the dating profiles? I'm so glad you asked. I saw a screen cap of Stardust on Tumblr back when I was like 14 or 15. And I was obsessed with the way that they had edited this GIF. And I was like, I need to find what this is from. And so I eventually found it and I said, well, I have to watch the movie. Watched it that night and it was like a veil had been lifted. I have connected to a deeper part of myself. <laughs> It was fantastic. It's always great when a GIF, when the movie that a GIF comes from pays off what you saw on Tumblr. I will say that oh. <laughs> I'm I'm happy for you, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Sadie, how did Stardust enter your life? Well, <laughs> I did see it in theaters with my dad. And I was like, we were both like, this is the best movie we've ever seen. <laughs> And so um, we waited and we bought it like when it first came out on to DVD, VHS, no DVD. It was DVD at DVD. this point. Um, and I love it because... It, it's like one of those movies that I love watching when I'm in the mood for a romance, but also an adventure. Like, there's very few movies that I feel like hit this sweet spot where it's like, it is based, it, like, it is like a romance and it has dark elements to it. Like when, like, Ricky Gervais's character is killed and like, which I love watching all the time. <laughs> hate that guy oh, <laughs> that was that oh that was him okay yes just now yes. putting that together why he looked um, unlikable all right carry on and like i don't know like there's so many like darker elements to it that feel very like dark like dark fairy tale and also the concept of like this king 
who the tradition in their family is to have as many sons as possible. And then the sons will just kill themselves off. And then whoever is remaining becomes the heir is so like batshit <laughs> to me. And I love it. Um, and also I love the music so much. So it just, it's like, it's a very like epic movie, but it's also so sweet and entertaining. And like, I feel like the romance is also very believable. And I love the part of the movie where they are on the boat with Robert De Niro, because that's when they kind of like fall in love and also have like really funny lines. And like, I feel like you get a lot of like development between the two in that time, which not a lot of movies, like especially adventure type movies, they bother to give the romances in them that time. And so for those reasons, and also once again, I cannot stress enough Michelle Pfeiffer (laughs) and also my favorite little fun, like nitpick moment, not nitpick moment, but like at the end where it's heavily implied that Robert De Niro and Henry Cavill will fuck. (laughs) I love that (laughs) part. That was probably the high point of the movie for I'm I'm not a huge Stardust fan. I saw this I think probably in 2007 maybe in theaters for some family thing. Wasn't it a holiday film? Um probably. and I really tested my patience this time around. It's just so long and 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 it feels kind of like non sequitur at some point, like the kind of thing that would work really well as a graphic novel or something and not like as a film because it, it's just like we're we're an hour and a half in and we're going to introduce a major new character. You, you know, like that's the sort of thing you can do in more serial storytelling and not necessarily in like a movie where you kind of need to like introduce most of the major elements in the first 20 minutes um, and, and then play with them for the what? next 70. This movie based off a book or a pre-existing text? Yes. The the book is <laughs> okay. from Neil Gaiman. I love the Caldwell twins raising their hand. <laughs> and actually, a fun fact, in the book, his name is not Tristan. It is Tristran. There is an additional R in there. Why they changed it is obvious. But <laughs> the book is fantastic. And the book fucks a little harder. I'll say it. Okay. This makes a lot more sense to me because this was has been my first viewing of Stardust, period. Um, and I did deeply, I got the sense strongly that it was adapted from another text because of the introduction of Robert De Niro so yeah. late in the runtime. And yes, also I did wonder what audience this was intended for because it seems like a kid's movie in many ways, but as Hannah just pointed out, it fucks. So <laughs> you can tell they toned it down a little bit for family audiences. But I mean, as, as Samantha summarized, it starts out with the caravan rocking. So, okay, this this explains a lot to me. Jen, what think- did you think of the movie? <laughs> well, I fear that once again, as in the case of Leap Year, this is uh, a scenario of the two elderly, aged, decrepit witches versus the beautiful, young, glowing stars, <laughs> opinion-wise. But I am, I'm trying to be kind because I don't want to fight. And also, so I realized that a large part, well, besides the length, we have established on this podcast that 
I already am ready to lop a star off my rating for any movie almost running over 90 minutes. Um, But this just isn't my personal particular flavor. I like cheesy and this is saccharin. You know, it's like like a dessert with blackberries on it. And... I want to, you know, I, I would rather eat a greasy pizza. <laughs> All the battle lines are drawn once more. Jen there... and I just need to find a star and cut out its heart and, <laughs> and feast on it together. And then we'll be young and we'll like stardust again. Yeah, pro- yeah, yeah, that's kind of, man, that's sort of your fate as an older person in this, right? Either you're chasing youth or you're chasing murder or you're, or you're, you know, if you, if you're nice to people and make it at the end after uh, living your life in the closet, there's the promise of maybe fucking Henry Cavill in future. <laughs> Which of you have- youngsters would like to volunteer your heart for consumption? Well, I do have to ask. We'll, we'll take Elliot. Um, do you all bring me on this podcast so you can shame me and my taste? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I did. I should have um, disclaimered before I offered my opinion that I love and respect Hannah immensely. And I, uh, I felt bad that I went too hard on, on leap year when she was on the podcast previously. Um, so yes, I, I, I am not attempting to fight, but I am very interested to learn about both of the Caldwell twins, youthful brains and how they work and what they like because I have noticed a trend between Leap Year and Stardust that it seems to me that Sadie and Hannah love a movie that has maybe not an enemies to lovers, but a bickering to lovers narrative in well, which our well. bonds over travel and the movie features lots of beautiful shot on set, sweeping natural vistas and a swelling orchestral score. You've cracked the formula, Jen. We figured them out that's finally. What hits. I can respect that. that. I mean, (laughs) all of the stars alive. We're only human. What are we supposed to do? (laughs) It's our little medieval brains. You are fascinating. (laughs) You are very fascinating, bright stars of 25 year old humans. And Samantha and I, in our dusty castle full of ferrets, are interested to to pick your brains and understand uh, the appeal so that we too can become young and live forever. Well, okay. Here's my thought. So I was the one who initially pitched it. So this was on Hannah's list of like, when I do another movie with you guys, here's the short list. And so I thought that this movie would be a good one to do because I thought that it would appeal to both of you as well. Because in my view, as someone who watches rom-coms constantly, that this one is pretty like relatively low on the romance scale in comparison to like traditional regular rom-coms because it has a lot of like other stuff like my dad loves it you know like it's very much like kind of a 
other and like Hannah uses it as a date movie because like it has romance but it's also very like riveting and has like adventure elements you know and so like I thought that it would that it would kind of like satisfy the the sweet tooth that I have but also the blood uh, (laughs) that you you both enjoy (laughs) occasionally were you trying to bribe us with fantasy violence um, yes, I will say 100%. there. I I am not here just to just to bust on y'all's favorite movie, especially as I now know that it is Hannah's favorite favorite. There are a number of elements that I enjoyed about it, and I think that for me, probably the primary thing that I know this was definitely not happening in 2007 or whenever this was released, but would be instead of daredevil guy or a cis man at all if um if tristan were like a chick i would forgive this movie like every other irritation that i have with it (laughs) and i know that's just like blatant discrimination against cis men but that's how how i feel not nearly enough fantasy violence to win me over, I'm afraid. Although I do have to say, I appreciate that it was shot in um, like actual physical space, like the actual countries were gorgeous. Oh my god, that part with the rune bones on those big ice blocks on the beach—I oh, love that, is that scene. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I and it it, so, it brought to mind for me the praise that Marvel's Eternals has been getting for like yes. shooting in actual landscapes and people are like imagine that taking a camera to an actual place and filming it there instead of just saying computer make a mountain and then shooting everybody in a <laughs> green cube in Atlanta yes. so um I it is a refreshing breath of fresh air for me from that perspective stardust it's a nice little time capsule of a time when we still sent actors to places I was so Hannah and I did our viewing of stardust separately for this because we wanted to keep our our thoughts preserved and separate but I did watch stardust with Elliot um and there was that scene like during the the um rune reading where you have like the big sweeping view of Michelle Pfeiffer getting onto her little chariot and then it transfers over to the one soothsayer guy with the icebergs and I was like oh why don't they make these kind of shots anymore they just they're just oh they're so they're so good and Elliot was like that's because everything is filmed in a basement now well yeah you're not wrong unfortunately unfortunately here is correct (laughs) elliot's also not wrong that it's a bad idea to go into a target (laughs) i picture i i picture you all living on an airship i picture elliot as the captain of of your airship elliot is the rat catching dog (laughs) of the ship Yes. And we feed him well and we <laughs> bathe him and we give him a little bed. <laughs> I think one of our running jokes is whenever we're out somewhere and we see some interesting little tiny piece of decor or furniture, we say, Look, Elliot's new bed. I don't know how it started, but it is the funniest thing in our life. Like whenever we see doll furniture at an antique store, we're like, oh my God, Elliot's new bed. (laughs) Oh, Elliot. 
Okay, we won't take your heart, Elliot. You can keep it. (laughs) So how is Stardust as a date movie? Has anyone passed the test? I'm so glad you asked. Um, There have been a couple who've been very intrigued and could, throughout multiple points of the movie, tell me what they've seen. Um, there are there are a few losers in the mix who, who probably didn't keep up with it well. A lot happens. It's a hard movie to both watch and then also get to know someone. Um, so I like to use it as a third date <laughs> or above movie. <laughs> so you can just kind of vibe in silence. Um, but for so the in the first part, date, you works. hand out an orientation packet that says <laughs> dates, date one, light chit chat over coffee, <laughs> date two, dinner, date three, stardust at my place. Oh, almost exactly that in the most Virgo way possible. It's kind of an outline of this is what to expect at multiple stages. I just picture someone watching Stardust next to you trying to follow this rambling (laughs) two hour plus like Adi's fantasy movie and you just watching them the entire time for their reactions. (laughs) It would would be a stressful experience. I feel like there's no pressure. (laughs) I would like to say that in one occasion, I was dumped by a man, and then in the, a follow-up message, he was like, but I will finish watching Stardust. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, oh, good. All oh my god. <laughs> That's a I, level of cruelty comparable I, to telling someone you don't want them and then dropping them on a cobblestone street. My jaw is a gape. I hope that man... <laughs> I hope he suffers. If I could turn humans into animals, (laughs) I would turn him into like a cockroach and just leave him that way for you, Hannah. (laughs) Literally every time I like, I'll hear the opening credits (laughs) through through the wall that separates my bedroom from Hannah's, and I immediately text her and I'm like, "Bitch, are you watching (laughs) Stardust?" And she is every time. <laughs> is this the equivalent like, of hanging a sock on the door in your apartment? <laughs> oh, it's the Stardust it credits. It's, it's both. It's Everybody either Stardust put on your headphones. or Howl's Moving Castle. Also, I'll also hear the opening credits to Howl's Moving Castle. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> You're not wrong, but I hate to be seen in this moment. <laughs> So I feel, I do feel kind of brutal that we have brought Hannah. I find you, um, to just keep the subject on our guest, Hannah, for a moment, instead of upon the movie that we're supposed to be discussing. I find you so fascinating because you are a Virgo who is also a romantic. And I don't know many of those. I, it is an interesting juxtaposition. It's I, it was once described to me that I only know how to care about people in zero to a hundred. And it's like, uh, they said, if someone makes a very small minor mistake, it's like they're dead to you completely. And I said, exactly. <laughs> it's it's hard work to yeah. be in, in the love of my life. <laughs> but when you're there, you're there. <laughs> 
I I love Virgos and I love Capricorns, which as as past listeners of this podcast all know very well, Samantha is a Capricorn. And I and well, boy is she. This this movie is uh <laughs> revealing the uh, <laughs> the uh like elder millennial um millennial Gen Z where you all live cut off. Like it's not it's not only the age gap here, but I think that we are seeing the romantic Virgo and the practical Capricorn difference of opinions um, in regard to this movie with Samantha and Hannah. But wait, I'm a Capricorn and Hannah's a Virgo, so theoretically we should be aligned, but I'm anti-Stardust. Makes sense of that for me. There's a a divide here, and I believe that the Capricorn is the hater, and the Virgo's like the, the, yeah, I would like to fly on an airship with um, Robert De Niro. Like, this is the litmus test to, like, discern between (laughs) Capricorns and Virgos, who otherwise align on many things. I know that I, I do know some Virgos who would probably be haters on this movie but I mean Hannah if if listeners uh, if you see a picture of Hannah like just imagine like a big pair of eyeballs and a big pair of glasses and long dark hair and like um, a heart shaped red lipstick mouth and there you go that's that's our, our beautiful guest today <laughs> and down to her I just, most it's fundamental so that you would like this movie <laughs> Well, (laughs) so I have a question to ask both of you, which is what did you not enjoy about the main relationship between Tristan and Evane? And then what would you do to fix them besides just making Tristan not a cis guy? (laughs) I guess he didn't have like a, he didn't have a character flaw that really felt believable. I mean, he was like mean, but the movie didn't think he was mean, right? The movie like thought his meanness was funny um, or endearing. But like in that hero's journey, he kind of like needs to overcome something internal to overcome Mm. the external obstacle. And it just kind of felt flat for me in that regard of he's just like, well, I want to be in love with Victoria now I'm in love with the star. I'll just like switch on over to uh, to the winning team. But it didn't feel like there was some internal thing that he overcame. Yeah, and same wise, and that's why it, it wouldn't really fix the problem if he were somebody other than a cis guy. But that's that was my first thought of why that would help. Um, just because that complicates the narrative a little bit. Like he just was sort of some guy to me who is in this position that all this stuff happens to him. And then he sort of like lucks into being like king of the realm by virtue of birth and circumstance. And and I feel like Yvain fell in love with him because he's the person the first person who literally fell on her after she arrived and i don't i mean there's already a lot going on remember jen she's watched humanity for centuries and tristan is apparently the best that it gets she doesn't want to hold on for anybody else she's like okay now she was not she's watched them from afar but this was like evane is ready to bone and this was the first guy she's gotten within sniffing distance of you know is kind of how i was feeling about it a little but 
But I do think that Daredevil was trying his best. Like I can see some of the elements too. They this movie is so fanficy that they pull the he falls on upon her onto her prone body on the ground into missionary position not once but twice. And that actor <laughs> knows how to make that like <laughs> like talking into somebody's face from a three inch distance work. Like those were the times when they're when it seemed like they were about to bone like their relationship got way more believable to me than when they were you know picking at each other bickering with each other (laughs) i think if well first of all i do believe that the stars fuck up there i feel like she's gotten around <laughs> over the centuries. I feel like she is a an an now a celestial is the fanfic of Orion's belt. I want to read. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and also I will say I my one wish is that they had gotten I wish that we had gotten more time with long hair Tristan. Because I feel like okay, that was when things started clicking. So that is my one, like I'm willing to concede that there are ways that in retrospect, we could have made it better because we're geniuses. Of course. Like we, the two of us could have made it perfect (laughs) Yeah, in the very few handful of flaws that it does have. Yeah. Um, We are coming back to that because I want to hear all of your edits in detail. (laughs) Well, and you said some, you wanted to say something about. Well, I just feel in regards to Tristan not really overcoming something personal, it does, I feel like his journey of being like, truly like a, like a little boy who's like, I want adventure. This is what love is. And then he goes and he experiences all these things. And he's like, actually, no, it's not. Adventure isn't going out and grabbing the star. And and even though he's on a flying ship, um, he's like, it it can be more nuanced and and quiet. And which I think is demonstrated specifically when he fights with Henry and he fences at the end, and it's just very quick. And he's like, ah, ha, ha. we we didn't need to do a whole thing. Yeah. But I I just think yeah. And I think on the boat, like you said, when their romance develops, I think it is her just being like, oh, yeah, ambition. Amazing. Jen, are you persuaded? To me, it reeks of like Adi's protagonist where it's just like, we have a dude and he makes wise little quips. And that's a character, right? Um, I've got to say, I I do stand with the Caldwell twins opinion that we should have had more time with long hair Tristan. Because, I mean, he was still making the little quips, but you know that Claire Danes loved him because she loved him with that hideous butt cut that he was wearing for more than half of the movie. So when he actually gets good hair, (laughs) like... They both actually got an amazing glow up. When Claire Danes, the fallen star, first came down, I was like, was this reshoots? Like, what is this weave? She had a bug stuck in her hair at one point. I was like, my God. But then... The whole thing is like, as she's a star, so as like she gets happy, she starts to glow. And uh, as she falls in love with Tristan, she does get increasingly like the the glow up is real in this movie. They are both looking good as hell by the end. And I appreciated that. Not that you can make them look like too bad, even with the haircut that they perpetrated on on Daredevil (laughs) through most of the movie, but they looked like really good by the end. I'll say a few... And that's all down to Robert Downey Jr. I mean, wait, Robert De Niro, not Robert Downey Jr. Those are separate (laughs) humans. Sorry. 
A few things. Number one, I remember in theaters when I saw um, at the scene in the inn where Michelle Pfeiffer cuts um, the one prince's throat and then he bleeds blue blood. Me in the theater, I was like, oh my God. As an 11 year old, I was like, (laughs) oh my God. The the cinematic storytelling. (laughs) Oh my God. And then secondly, the fact that we did only see Ben Barnes for like 10 minutes tops at the beginning of the movie is a crime. And that's all I have to say. I would like to add that one of my one of my improvements to the movie would have instead been Ben Barnes in age makeup or CGI to look older so that we still get his essence, which would have been palpable had he been in the movie longer. Yeah, yeah. because Una, seemed, she stays the same than that guy who actress. was old him. Like this was like a guy who, yeah, he, he apparently the first in history. Nobody else ever vaulted over that little hurdle of a wall. Like, okay, we're going with that. But people probably like, accidentally fell over. <laughs> Let's be honest. I want to see those stories. <laughs> It could be an anthology, Samantha. There could be more Stardust in the world. The Stardust universe, the Stardust cinematic universe could take on Marvel. Anyway, but yeah, Ben. so Ben Barnes was the young dad at the beginning. Dunstan, is that our boy? This is my first Ben Barnes experience, to my knowledge. So I want to make sure I'm identifying him correctly. This is your first yes. Ben Barnes experience? Jen? What else has he been in? Hang on. Let me IMDB um, this. Oh, oh, my God. No need. <laughs> so he was in Westworld. He was in um, Narnia, Prince Caspian. He was in Shadow and Bone. He was in Shadow and Bone. He was in Punisher. He was fantastic. In yeah. Was you in guys Punisher. are like listening to everything. That he I'm was also in the picture the of Boy and Gray. It's you, right? That's a it's Ben Barnes fanatic. Well, I think we would be equally as obsessed. <laughs> he did release a, a new uh, a single. <laughs> that I do. I did play on repeat for about a week. That we did enjoy listening to. It sounds <laughs> It sounds almost identical to Michael Buble, but that's not a bad thing. I don't think. It's got some heart. Yeah. Were oh, you two no. separated at birth? Y'all have got it bad. <laughs> okay, I'm going to his Instagram. How hot is this man Sadie are you sure your parents are your parents (laughs) I'm only 70% sure (laughs) let's do some DNA testing here I feel like you two share a brain Sadie is a changeling who's clearly Sadie's dad works in like he's one of like the the X-Files people you know and like he brought little Sadie (laughs) home and he sat her down when she was like three and was like I will believe you if you see any supernatural shit you can tell me Sadie and anyway that's my current theory about Sadie's dad okay I'm looking at Ben Barnes Insta now and this is a good looking person the facts are there (laughs) So yeah, I I agree. It should have been the 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 recast of him as an older person was a little funky, especially because they were doing so much aging up and down with Michelle Pfeiffer and others in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Michelle Pfeiffer, does anyone have an other guy pairing for our witch? Is it anyone should have in this movie good man. enough for her? <laughs> oh <laughs> <Really>? yeah. <laughs> I could see that working. I yeah, think I mean, he wasn't also, a bad-looking goat man. I think also she could have done well with one of the princes. 
specifically Septimus, because I mm. think that he matches her crazy quite well. I think that for the sake of humanity, I'm glad that they didn't end up together, <laughs> but I think that they could have done great things together. <laughs> he was a hottie too. Septimus was like a, you know, a hotter Severus Snape sort of had it going on. He was also in fun Victoria? fact about this man. He is, I'm so sorry, Samantha, I have to keep going with this. So the guy who played Septimus also was the villain in one of the, in the first Sherlock Holmes movie that starred Jude Law and Robert Downey Jr. And I also get him confused with Liv Schreiber constantly um, because for some reason, I always think that he was the one who played Sabretooth in the first Wolverine movie and not Liv Schreiber. And it's because he has that one tooth that looks like a fang. And as you know, Sabretooth also has teeth that look like fangs. And I will never escape this curse. <laughs> Well, Michelle Pfeiffer certainly deserves a partner who has one tooth that looks like a fang. I agree. I support this other guy pairing. <laughs> and I am I was asking about Victoria's age because I want to see if she's uh, older than the age of majority or whatever, or legally an adult. Oh, she would have been. Wait, when did this come out? In 2007? Sienna Miller? Um, because that was post the Jude Law nanny cheating scandal, right? Uh, she was born in 81. She's the same age as Ben Barnes. All right. Well, so she's younger. like real life in her 20s and in the movie like 19 or something. I was going to propose a May-December with Victoria and Tristan's dad. Oh, I love oh. it. And that is that is Victoria's revenge after after Tristan did the little dropping her on the ground maneuver. She marries his fucking dad. Yeah, because Victoria Samantha. seems to like Tristan's <laughs> adventurous spirit, but kind of wants a little more like stability and seasoning uh, too, you know? And um, I think she should just go upward in age. <laughs> and in also, we know that Mr. Dunstan there is currently with aka Henry Cavill is gay because he does in my view canonically leave her shortly after the end of the movie and joins the flying boat crew and has a May December with Robert De Niro's character we all know what's happening oh, yeah. do you remember Broke that scene at the end where he's like have. and then Henry Cavill's like oh me and I was like um is this happening <laughs> It's it happened. <laughs> Brokeback okay. Mountain should have been set on the airship and <laughs> Henry Cavill and Robert De Niro <laughs> falling in love and Henry Cavill being like, No, I have to marry a girl back home in Wall and Robert Danny er, <laughs> genuine infected me. Robert De Niro being like, I can't let my crew know and they can just make love in the cabin's quarters and have terrible secrets together. That part was very sweet for 2007, where he got outed to his crew, and they're all like, duh, we love you. Um, through 2021 eyes, it was a little bit like, is this like super a children's movie right now? But then like, honestly, even through 2021 eyes, you know what, let's just have like more um, super mask guys embrace um, their beloved gay leaders. I'm, I I'm guess down with that. <laughs> I do have that question though, Jen, of you wondering whether this is like a children's movie or not. Is like I know the movie kind of struggled to find an audience in theaters. It's since like become kind of a sleeper cult favorite as the Caldwell twins are proving for us. But 
I feel like in the moment there was a lot of confusion over like, is this a children's movie? Is it for adults? Is it trying to be for everyone? Like what it, what exactly is going on here? Because like people like legit die. Like, you know, what's his face? Rupert Everett gets like thrown over a cliff and then is shown with his face <laughs> just like man. Oh yeah, Rupert Everett. Wait, we yeah. said Rupert Grant before because it's that other dude who was one of the Weasley brothers who is the Bernard, right? Who I want to talk about Bernard for a minute because Bernard is like canonically trans, right? I mean, what cis man gets turned into like a woman's body and like instead of like like screaming and body horror anguish is like sweet I have always wanted these titties <laughs> I feel like it's a trope in so many gender swapped things to have the like straight cis dude be like oh my god now I can just feel the titties that are right here but I felt like the movie was doing that <laughs> to me I feel like that was what the movie was trying to do but then and I, yeah again that is like a thing that like people say but I think that that's like I still read it as a secret trans thing of somebody being like wouldn't it be so funny if suddenly like I had like C cups <laughs> it's kind of I don't know I feel like there are people who joke about it and where it's not a joke where it's like wouldn't it be funny if I went through the legal and medical process of transitioning changing all my identity markers and reshaping my body through hormone replacement therapy lol Hilarious. Um, so Bernard was, I could tell, <laughs> I feel like Bernard was written in there as just like, that was a weird little joke, but I was like, this movie is queerer than I thought it was going to be when that happened. Um, Jen, to my I, original question though, <laughs> yes. of who, who did do you have a read or did you in 2007, were you conscious of how this was like marketed or pitched? Because we would have I, been like 20, I, yeah. uh, 20, 20, 20, 21, 21, 22. Yeah. Um, wait, yeah, 21 that year. Um, you know, I don't. I was having a very chaotic year that year. I do remember the one fact that I remembered about this movie was that Michelle Pfeiffer, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer, I love her so much. I idolize her that she was in it. And I thought she looked really hot in the marketing. And other than that, no, I did not. Um, Justin did watch this movie once when like I was just around, but not, um, uh, you know, paying attention myself. And he also has many opinions about it that he shouted at me while watching it. But this is my first time. You know, I um, was just thinking about like the concept of like the intended audience of this and how it kind of like didn't really hit as well with like any audience at the time that it came out. And I was also thinking about how another movie that Hannah and I both love, Treasure Planet. Oh my God. (laughs) Had the same problem, right? Where... It really, it was too intense for kids, Mm -hmm. but also it was animated. And so adults didn't really like it. And it dealt with like teen issues, Mm -hmm. but also teens weren't really willing to watch an animated movie like that. And so then it just kind of like no one really hit, it it didn't really hit for anyone, Mm -hmm. but it also is just like a fantastic movie that has like adventure and like weird elements and like kind of sobering plot lines and like moments. 
Well, can I make an observation, a personal observation about the two of us on this podcast? Of course. What does it say about us that our, our favorite movies do we revolve around floating things? Stardust, <laughs> Flying Ship, Howl's Moving Castle, The Titular Castle, Another... Treasure Planet, More Flying Ships. Oh ships. my god, I'm adding also that Castle to my list. Sky. Also <laughs> the Sky. <laughs> There's also something about just the transient nature of it and also the inherent queerness of every one of those movies. <laughs> well, I, in, in, Leapier has an airplane in it, famously. <laughs> it's true. And they are standing next to the very tippy edge of a cliff to where I was really worried about Amy Adams at the end of Leap Year when like the proposal happens. So they aren't like technically flying then, but they're like up in the skywards. In, in response to the there is no intended audience, I would I do think that e- if these were films that you watched as children, which Treasure Planet for me was, I would go home every day after school and I would watch it. Um, they are movies that grow with you quite well. And so... I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that there's not like one set audience because for Stardust, I mean, are there some maybe like scarier parts if you're a small child? Yes. But like, could you enjoy this movie as like a 13 year old and then also say a 24 year old? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd say when I first watched Stardust when I was a kid in theaters, I enjoyed it for the probably the same reasons that my dad cared about it. Like, I really didn't care about the romance much. But I was just like, I was like, Oh, my God, like all of the fights and the pirates and flying ship and oh, my God. And then as I grew up, and I fell into rom-coms in like a deep way, then like, I started to appreciate different parts of Stardust. And so for the same reason that like movies like this flop is also why I love them. I love movies that have no intended target audience and flop because of it, because the target audience is me over the course of my lifetime. (laughs) I do get, um, I see that a lot too, that if I had seen this, um, well, and I don't think it would have helped if I had seen it in 2007 because that was that was probably the final year of my like really trying to live in internalized misogyny year before I was I was starting to break out of it in 2007 and by 2008 like we were we were climbing the ladder to freedom baby but um so I, I, I like don't know the idea of you having a <laughs> eat pray love gap year called your internalized misogyny year. <laughs> The internalized misogyny, unfortunately, was longer than just a single year. But that was when I was like starting to um, realize it for the scam it was, you know. But I would not have thought well of this movie at the time other than Michelle Pfeiffer being hot because uh, I was just too into like being like, I don't know, thinking that you had to see like visual adaptations of Alan Moore graphic novels then were the only thing that was cool at that time to me. So I'm glad that I was not exposed to it then. But if I had seen this when I was 12 years old, I can easily see myself being a lifelong fan forever. And once again, we condescend to Sadie and Hannah no, by blaming that was their not love of the movie con- on their condescending. Youth. No, oh, let's no. go. No, that kidding. was, they just said though, when they first encountered the movie, they were middle school age. And I think that if I had been middle school age, when I first saw the movie too, I would, I would be into it. 
you know, like, but like seeing it as like a withered old 36 year old now, I'm like, wow, that's some beautiful scenery. Wow. I just want to kick this guy in the shins, you know? Sadie, Hannah, I just want to say if someone had scooped some algae off the top of a pond and fed it to me when I was 12, it would probably be Samantha, my favorite you food are trying <laughs> to drown me in your little algae pond right now and I am not having it. <laughs> I am, I, as my <laughs> wife would say, cruising for a bruising right now. She I does not like actually hit me. I it do is know. a figurative bruising. For the same thing that I did say with Leap Year, in that, again, Stardust, my go-to date movie, the handful of men out in the world who I have shown this movie to and never spoken to again, numerous, but age range, like 22 to 27 of men and they're they love it every time yeah every time i also <laughs> samantha well, when they you love sitting on a couch about... beside hannah let's yeah. be clear we've got some selection bias going on here <laughs> sorry when you were talking Sadie, samantha curious. about um cruising for a bruising it reminded me a few weeks ago i was thinking about how my dad whenever i was little and i would like be like teasing and like making fun of him you know like <laughs> like a little trickster like I was um but I would go too far he would dead seriously look me in the eyes and he would say if you're feeling froggy jump and then I would <laughs> shut the fuck up the what? <laughs> because you were too confused by the statement oh no I knew what would I, happen this is all tying back I- in <laughs> I like the idea of it just being so bewildering that you just retreat to your room and then (laughs) try to understand what it means. Is froggy an adjective? Yeah. Have you never heard like the phrase feeling froggy before, Samantha? I thought it meant like you're feeling kind of sick. Oh, no. No. I always heard it as feeling like like sassy starting a fight, but like maybe it's just regional. Yeah, maybe only people who live near the Garden of Eden, huh? Now, a frog <laughs> in your throat froggy. means you're sick. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm furiously consulting dictionaries to try to find this usage, but maybe I won't find it. <laughs> anyway, what do you call clearly... something that is across the street and then across the street again, like on the opposite corner? Catty corner? I like... say kitty corner. Wait, are we talking <gasps> about like a parallel oh. street? Oh, wait, kitty, what? I call it. Wait, kitty, yeah, catty, kitty corner. Are you kitty or catty, Jen? Uh, kitty or catty? Kitty or catty? I think it, it varies depending on the it sound varies. of the other syllables and whatever I'm saying at the time. Boo. <laughs> I'm going to be a solid fence sitter on that one. Well, do we have other guy pairings? More other guy pairings? I've just received word that I have a hard out for a vet appointment in 30 minutes, so... Let's, uh, for spuds? let's get our pairings so and our ratings done. For young spuds, who's got a little cold? Oh, oh. baby. Oh. Let's see. Do okay. we have any other pairings? What other characters do we have? Let's go. This is not a pairing, but this is a comment that hasn't been made yet, I don't believe, is that I think the the dead brother ghost peanut gallery was such an exceptional part of the movie and it did bring some humor and like granted they were murdered and you can see it when you look at them but I think they're kind of funny. I think that is an element of the dark humor that I love so much about this movie that's hard to find with others Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like there's plenty of pairing options for those guys. Oh yeah. I feel like I feel like the one that was frozen oh, yeah. to death is kind of hot. 
And that's my statement. That's my burden to bear. <laughs> Wait, who plays him? Let me, I have to look. Yeah, you need to know this, Sadie. That's important. You know, I do. I liked the scene particularly with the uh, Primus in the bathtub uh, before Michelle Pfeiffer cut his throat and he bled blue all over everything. When they're like all trying to be like, uh, they're having to like watch but can't interfere. I guess at that time, and they're like, mm-hmm. she's got the she's got the necklace, she's got the necklace, you know, and he can't he can't get it. I wish that Rupert Everett had gotten to be around for longer because I just love him so much after watching. Um, um, what's the name of the one we did for this podcast? An ideal fiance or some some shit like that. Wait, 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 <laughs> Where he's Lord wait, wait. Goring with all his statements. Uh, an ideal husband. An ideal husband. Oh. Wait, PSA. I have something very important to tell you. I was on the IMDB page for the cast and crew trying to find the Iceman. And there is a cast member called Bimbo Hart. <laughs> Like his like the his Wait, real name right. is Bimbo. His Hart. real who what character? Who He's is the Bimbo young Hart? scientist at the beginning of the of the movie? And also, did either of you notice Where's that Bimbo Ian McKellen Mars was the narrator? Instagram. I just want to point that out. I did notice that. I was at the beginning. I was like, is Ian McKellen narrating this? And then I kept waiting for him to turn up, but he didn't. He was just the narrator. So good for him. He has a beautiful narrating voice and he didn't have to, uh, he didn't have to travel to location or like suffer a death and like live in the peanut gallery of, of dead, dead princes. What are you whispering? I feel as though he isn't as hot as I, as, as he was when he was covered in ice. And I'm just kind of disappointed in myself. He looks kind of like, Sadie. Have you? he looks kind of like Rupert Grant. No, I was going to say he reminds me of that little weird one you loved in Lost Boy. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, <laughs> Alex Winter. <laughs> Bimbo Hart, by the way, has oh only God. been in three movies, all of them directed by Matthew Vaughn. So he did Stardust in 07, seven years later when Matthew Vaughn directed Kingsman, The Secret Service. He came back for that and then three years later for the Kingsman sequel and he's out so he must just be like the director's friend or something and every five years his friend calls him up and says want to be an actor in a major Hollywood release and he's like sure that's my ideal role in life (laughs) only pictures of Charlie Cox are coming up when I google bimbo heart so well, well, he is also a Wait. bimbo. But um, I is this you, is bimbo hard a real person? Is, I, yeah, is bimbo hard a real person? I'm seeing. Okay, I'm wait, not sure. This one? What do you because mean? Because you all know that I love Miffy Englefield and enjoy following her. Yeah, but there's no other like record of him existing anywhere. This is this is like an enviable like if you want to oh, go I see. dark on the internet, Bimbo Hart has found the way. I am starting a conspiracy theory that Bimbo <laughs> Hart is not a person. <laughs> I, you know what, though, while we continue to marinate on that, I have to say, 
you bringing up Kingsman, The Secret Service reminded me that when I am in the mood for this type of movie, like when I am in the mood for Stardust, I am also in the mood for Kingsman. I've seen Kingsman a ton of times as well. I probably will watch it tonight, actually. Um, because it, and it I also do like fills Kingsman, that void. So maybe your theory that I just crave violence is, is yeah. true because similar directorial style with just like a gazillion people getting murked every five seconds. Did you enjoy the second Kingsman? Let's, let's get into the Kingsman lore for like two seconds. <laughs> not as much not. as the first Kingsman. My official, you should see the other guy is you should see the other Matthew Vaughn uh, project and that's oh. Kingsman, the Secret Service, or whatever oh, the first one is called. One cannot Samantha. exist without the other. Oh, burning bridges with your Virgo guest today. I, I see. G- I guess. I don't know. Would is Stardust a particularly appealing resume line? It didn't really make back its um didn't make I it it underperformed at the box office, but that sometimes and doesn't matter does for directors. Matter? Sometimes it's just about proving you can handle Robert De Niro or something like that. You're like so when, it's like babysitting. What? You're like, I've done this before. So when there are like sad little indie films that are just like shot in black and white and everyone dies at the end and they're like this was my passion project. It's okay. But if people want this to be their passion project, you know Robert De Niro on the front lines of that movie. He was like, I need this movie to exist more than I need to be alive. But he probably didn't even accept I feel <laughs> like he could have gone further. Don't you feel like he got could have gone further? It seemed like maybe in that scene they wanted to dress him in full drag and Robert De Niro was like, no, I'm not doing that. I feel like it was as comfortable as he felt, but you can tell that like he truly wanted to draw that little black heart on his cheek like he he was feeling it he was feeling the power of the little the heart stamp <laughs> but yeah um what so we're comparing kingsman and this uh, no uh okay i'm gonna go with hannah's line you can't have one without the other also, have you I seen the kingsman, kingsman movies no you should. they're fun they're like hyper stylized <laughs> like british action movies I would like that. You know what I like? Because, okay, I, I liked original John Wick, but then I was super over it. Um, but honestly, John Wick 2, that part where like oh, the lady has to kill herself in the hot tub, like it's just mm. not my, my bag. But I was so into, um, and again, it's just because it's it's a um, it's a John Wick universe style movie, but pandering to an audience of me was Gunpowder Milkshake. <gasps> we haven't seen that movie yet, but it's on our list. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to watch. it I at have some to point. believe. An algorithm came up with the title for that movie. <laughs> yeah, the the title was a little weird, but I love the movie so much. And that bowling alley fight scene is like my top fight scene now. Well, I, unless so we have what, other well, guy pairings, we, I guess. What do we think about more, Victoria wait, wait. and Evane potentially? <gasps> I love it. I love but it. They I'm can into never it. meet unless I guess a vein. Wait, wasn't a vein at- over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Victoria was at the wedding. Which, yeah. like, why would you go to the wedding of the dude who, like, literally dropped you? <laughs> 
I, a girl doesn't have good instincts, I guess. But people from England can cross the wall to Stormhold, right? But magical creatures cannot cross the wall back into wall well maybe people can maybe people can but because Avene is a star in the real world she would just she would just be a star Caldwell yes. twins way in here could a human from Stormhold go to wall is there stardust sequel potential fish out of water well the logistics aren't entirely clear but you know that that little old man probably existed more in the magical side of the wall than he did in the human side is my belief oh yeah and i would also like to throw him um... in the mix for a pairing with robert de niro's character Oh my god. I like that. I love that. I love it. He's already ready to fight. I mean, he he kicked Tristan's ass after Dunstan fooled him once. So Like, damn, put him on board that pirate ship. Let somebody else guard the wall for once. This man has been doing it for at least like more than 20 years. I want to give you a Spuds update. She's eating. That's good. She wasn't eating earlier today. And she was throwing up some of her water. So I'm mesmerized by her eating kibble. It's uh, oh, no. it's a positive little development. Spuds. Let us pray for little spuds to digest her kibble. I have, her also have some from tuna her on hand. She might enjoy some tuna. Uh, the cats, she's been getting into trouble with the wet food the last couple of days. Not to get too graphic on this podcast, but cats, Uh-oh. they are such finicky little creatures sometimes. You can feed them the best food that you can possibly buy at the mud bay or whatever. And, 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 and still, you know, every so often they'll be like, no, I hate this entirely. I need you to know yeah. that as you said that Sadie looked at her own cat sitting in the windowsill. <laughs> <laughs> with with both love and anger in my eyes. <laughs> because this bitch only They're maddening eats creatures. The tuna and chicken gravy charm me wet food packets from Weruva that are like two bucks a, a punch. <laughs> And sometimes even then she's like, "Eh." I'm obsessed with this, um, this offering from a company called Tiki Cat that has uh, like chicken and a a literal quail egg in it. What? (laughs) And it's called Tiki Cat After Dark. Like it's some like like clandestine (laughs) midnight snack or something. The kitty cocktail hour. Yeah, yeah. Nala eats it with like a dry martini. Baby Spuds, (laughs) I am hoping that you feel better. The clock is ticking down and we have a very beautiful special guest today. So Hannah, is there anything we have not hit about Stardust yet that you are burning to say? Ah, I have so many thoughts. I would like to also say that I think the costume choices were exceptional in this movie. I think Claire Danes always looked fantastic. Michelle Pfeiffer always looked fantastic. Charlie Cox at the end in his little white fit, he looks amazing. Um, Do I think this movie deserves a sequel? Yes. Do I think that they could do it justice? No. They would need Sadie and I on board in order to make it happen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
Um, uh, I also would like more background lore on the Babylon candle. <gasps> I need more yeah. information. I want a whole yeah. prequel, which they could do without us, but they shouldn't. You need to just make one of those fan films where uh, uh, you find some like rich person to fund you and you give it mega high production value. And then you go viral on YouTube for like a day with like this viral fan well, film oh of Stardust, God. blah, blah, blah. Easier said than like, done. <laughs> how do we get access to Charlie Cox? We're not doing this without him. <laughs> how do you get Bimbo Hart when Bimbo Elliot. Hart isn't even real? Elliot will be the young Bimbo Hart, the young scientist. <laughs> Hannah a young will be Hart. a fallen star. <laughs> he might as well be Bimbo Hart you coward come on this podcast you've done yeah. three movies all with one director there's no photos of you anywhere Bimbo Hart this is a call out show we- yourself <laughs> look we stan Miffy Inglefield from the holiday on this podcast I follow her on Instagram and love her to this day so Bimbo Hart if you exist make yourself known so that we anyway, can follow back to you my on fan casting. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so that Jen can give us periodic updates. So here's what Bimbo Hart is up to now. Bimbo Bimbo Hart took his son to, to soccer practice today. By the way, Miffy and her daughter Chrysler Frankie Pacifica. are doing well. Just wanted you to know. Okay, back to my fan casting of Sadie and Hannah and Elliot's household in a Stardust anthology film. Elliot is the young scientist Bimbo Hartman. Hannah is a fallen star, obviously, who is like glowing around the place. Perfect. Sadie, you are the little human adventurer and your curls are like extra wild in times when you feel like overwhelmed on screen. That will be our visual signal. Which is always. Okay, perfect. Now just you guys (laughs) take your phones out to this. You can film the scary scenes at the city museum and um, (laughs) and like the nature scenes on the Mizzou campus. You've got this. You can do it. (laughs) Just go to the Garden of Eden. It's nearby. It's scenic, pastoral. Hannah, where can people find and keep up with your your work, your 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 the beautiful things you create? Um, I don't know why my first thought was if they can find me, good luck. But it's <laughs> I'm on every social platform imaginable. Um, Instagram is my name, Hannah Caldwell. I exist as a photographer and a poet on there as well. I'm on Twitter. I hate saying my username, but it is deeply ingrained in me at booklover138. I did pick that explicitly at like age 12. um, And I am attached (laughs) deeply. I would, if it's all right, I'd like to make a request of your listeners. And it's that if any of you feel so inclined, please attempt to draw me according to Jen's detail earlier in the episode. (sighs) And I'd like to see what happens. Yes, yes, please. We have listeners who will do this now, which is exciting. Oh, we have, and you know what? We want talent. We also want, if you don't think you can do it, please try. <laughs> Eyes, glasses, beautiful long dark hair, heart-shaped bright red mouth. <laughs> Perfect. Go from there. Big ass eyes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> And um, Jen, what should people, uh, what kind of uh, gems should people throw at the star that is our podcast? (laughs) 
Well, if you want to, uh, I was, uh, my brain was racing there for a second. I was going to try to make some number reference with like the seven sons of the king and turn it into five stars somehow. And uh, my my poor little brain, she just oh, won't I guess do we it. need to rate, don't we? Out. Oh my goodness! Oh, uh, I thought that you were like skipping over rating because obviously um, Sadie and Hannah are going to five star it, and we were going to burn it. So. <laughs> I will give it two and a half, two and a half Babylon candles, three Babylon candles, one of which is kind of half burned down. I give it um, three big ass blocks of ice that truly exist on a beautiful beach um, that that Septimus is is throwing bones on. And is it safe to assume the Caldwell twins would go five out of five? But I want to hear their scale. What are they going to say? I I will give it five presumably dead unicorns out of five. <laughs> and that's all I have to say. <laughs> oh. I all disrespect to your scale. I am giving it seven out of seven suns. It is it is that good. Mm. I'd also like to throw an extra five rune stones out mm. of five, <laughs> just because I couldn't let that go unclaimed. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Well, my my scale was the ice blocks that the runes are being thrown on. So I I apologize for stealing it from you. Apology <laughs> not accepted. <laughs> I tried. And with that, tried. Jen, we can officially do the outro. It's outro time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you enjoy listening to us and you listen to our podcast on a platform that allows star ratings like my Samsung using self here's tell of these apple podcasts i don't know anyway leave us five stars if you feel so inclined and like if you're a critic just send it to us at yssTOGpodcast at gmail.com instead of like fucking up our star rating because like honestly we're not going to change our ways um so so you know just just do us a kindness and leave us if five stars or don't leave us a star at all if you don't and- like the podcast our podcast is actually the daily with michael Barbero, and uh, <laughs> that's where you should keep your rating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go just trash it. And uh, let's, oh, and that's our email address. If you want to email us, we don't check our email very often, but we get super excited whenever we notice we have an email uh, at YSSTOG podcast at Gmail. And if you like want us to see uh, your comment within a relatively short frame of time, you should talk to us on Twitter at YSSTOG or most excitingly of all, you can help support our streaming of all these movies without having to illegally pirate them if you give us a little cash via patreon uh, patreon.com slash yssdog and then for only three dollars a month you can join our discord server and talk to us about stardust and all your opinions positive and or negative and about animal actors let's see what all else uh, do we have on there mark Sadie makes you monthly playlist oh our mark brandanowitz channel oh i forgot nobody's talked about just me and they're talking to myself uh <laughs> yeah um, I, I think feel and, like I'm forgetting and things. If but you have Eddie, the, yeah. um, <laughs> if you purchase the top two tiers, you also will receive a monthly bonus episode that we will be starting up very soon, uh, i.e., this month. Um, 
And we already the first have one our will topic be me doing out. whale noises <laughs> alone in my apartment. And no, Samantha, what, wait, what did we do? What is our topic? <laughs> How dare you? Okay, you'll have to tell me off air because I have completely forgotten. Wow, wow! It's as though I'm the only one that cares about this podcast. Anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> people that I do love and care about, I'd like to thank our lovely, wonderful Patreons. <laughs> Logan, Logan Mayonnaise, Andrew, Althea, Xenalon, Sharon, Justin, Evan, Liz, Brittany, Ace, Mara, and Raimi the Void Hartley. We love you all so very much. And we wouldn't steal your hearts even if They're you were multiplying. a star. And eat them. Indeed. Or would we? We do think about it. If you bought the domain name yeasthog.com and made that be our official website in defiance of my preference. However, we're still cool, Xenalon. (laughs) 